everybody. Welcome back to You Can't Win. This is Tom here, and I'm joined by Don as usual. Today we have for you returning guest Ed Buck. He's back, and we're going to be talking a little bit about the idea that the left is a pyramid scheme. This is something that I just came up with one day. I just said it. I don't know exactly what it means, but uh, it seemed to resonate with Ed and Donald a little bit as well. I think he might feel a little bit more on the other side of things, but we'll just see how this goes and then probably answer some of your questions. So, uh, yeah, Ed, what do you think? Uh, the left is a pyramid scheme. I've been calling it the herbal left. Yeah, I like I like herbal left. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like a, a play on herbal life, if you're not familiar with that. It's a, a pyramid scheme company. Um, yeah, it's a... What's his name? Um, Mikey Miles has a lot of experience with Herbalife because oh, really? his, his obsession of the girl is uh, used to work for Herbalife, and she tried to scam him, and he like fell in love with her, and that's Mikey Miles' arc began at that point. <laughs> in uh, Washington, when I used to live in Washington, the big thing for that was like selling knives. Uh, I think it was Cutco oh, yeah. knives, and that was like a door to door. Oh, I get, thing. I get. Uh, I think Comptown, or not Comptown, one of the podcasts used to do a, a, a knives ad, an ad read for, I think oh, yeah. for like, uh, for like one of those things, clear scans, obvious scans. Yeah. And um, so I had this roommate and she was doing that to like pay the bills. Like that was her job. Mm -hmm. And um, she stopped paying rent after a while. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, we were like, you got to. You got to pay up, you know, you're, you're, you're past due. We, you know, we can't cover for you and all this kind of stuff. Oh, you didn't just and, murder your landlord. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't just, you know, not pay rent, <laughs> go and rent strike immediately. Yeah, no, we weren't that radical, I guess. But um, her, her solution was like, okay, well, you know, I have a great opportunity for you. <laughs> you want to buy some knives? I'm like, bitch, get out of here. <laughs> Should have scammed the landlord, get the landlord in. On the on the ground yeah. floor, they probably are a bit too clever for that kind of thing, I guess. But they, three parentheses, they, <laughs> um. But yeah, so what do you think? That you you kind of felt like this resonated with you, like this made some sense. So, um, the idea of the left being a pyramid scheme, being kind of a scam, you you think that's true? Yeah, I think so. I think that's true. Uh, I think that's true generally for political movements. Is that they are always scams. At the bottom but I think for the left in the West it's especially true uh, I'd like to clarify I think what's bad about um, whenever there is a leftist uh, like group breakdown and I think there was a there used to be a magazine called the commune magazine mm -hmm. and they broke down like a week ago or two weeks ago they always issue this like post-mortem like they or the successor group kind of writes a little post-mortem message and there's a whole genre of that because leftist organizations like break apart weekly uh and there's always make like a nice a coffee table book you know yeah yeah they should collect it because it's one of the funniest like some of the funniest stuff especially if you're like on the other side if you kind of know what's going on it's always put in these like really high like theoretical terms oh you know there was this great disagreement with us over what you know marxism actually meant or whatever yeah. and if you're on the other side you know there are two reasons one reason is uh, sex. Someone had sex with someone and it went wrong. And the other reason is that mental illness, like that's, that's, those are like the two nearly concentric circles for why left organizations actually break up. Those are the, real the reason reasons. they start and the reason they end. Yeah. Like the, those are like, that's the pulse that beats. And, uh, 
the beast in the heart and then that's why they break up and but the but the terms are always stated and at the highest level of abstraction and the invariably the reason why organizations are stated like purported to end is because of sectarianism or of like cult mentality cult of personality always like these theological terms and i always had an issue with that because it's imprecise I always had an issue with like calling left organizations like religious or um, like the, like in terms of sects or cultism. Mm-hmm. I always thought that's imprecise and because it's always used in kind of a negative way is that if you're a cultist, you're automatically like a, a kind of a credulous person, a dummy. But the reason why what's bad about cults right uh, at the bottom is that they it's not that they provide like metaphysical or theological explanations for, you know, like life. It's not that they provide some sort of, you know, like a theological underpinning for, you know, your existence. It's that they scam you. It's that they take your money and they make you believe this stuff, right? So that they can like continuously sap your money, sap your time, have you like, uh, you know, get alienated from your friends and the family. That's really the reason, right? Like that's why cults are bad. That's why Scientology is bad. That's why the you know allegedly branch Davidians are bad, right? Uh, it's not that you know, like it's not the explanation part. It's the scamming part, and that's also what's bad about like leftism generally is that it's not that it like provides a kind of a political or whatever explanation for what's going on. It's that like in providing that explanation, it also usually directs you to a course of action that's like completely just false and just doesn't work and then it it saps your money and time and alienates you from people you know and you know like in much the same way so like the common denominator is not religion or cultism which you guys i think will appreciate uh (laughs) but the common denominator is scamming like that's at the bottom of what's wrong i guess yeah well isn't the leadership though also like of these groups uh, sacrificing a lot to in their own ways kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, isn't there some sort of irrational, like there has to be something irrational, uh, in keeping the movement going, even though you don't actually get huge benefits from it compared to say, just getting a job or something like that too. You know what I mean? Like there's not, it's like, I guess if that's like, it's a pyramid scheme, uh, you know, the, the, there's kind of clear goals for that in terms of getting money, a huge amount of money by kind of, uh, roping other people in but are the people at the top really getting huge benefits out of that do you know what i mean like are they or is it just like a sort of like a sad thing kind of thing like an irrational motive to create these little groups or something yeah i think you, you could probably say that leftism is probably a bad pyramid scheme too like it's not a good one it's not an efficient one it's not like a smart person although you could kind of talk about like i think scientology is kind of like that too like it's not that you know like once you get up a level right like up at the level of the pyramid you don't win, right? You don't just get like everything. You just get like a little, little pieces, bits and pieces of the people below you. And it kind of becomes very predatory in that way, right? Like that's what, that's why it's similar, but you don't like, you know, like even at the top level, I don't know if you're like free or like, you know, all the things you you still have to buy into the internal rationality of it, right? Like you still have to be like, you can't be purely cynical. You are acting in bad faith usually, but you're not like a cynical liar. Right, you don't really yeah, think yeah. of it. Like. I, I've always sort of thought that about like, um, you know, like these like evangelical leaders who are like just clearly very cynical and, and just trying to like extract money from 
their flock and all that kind of stuff. You know, like there's that one guy who did the whole like blow this coronavirus away, that whole thing that kind of became a meme. Like that guy really seems like perfect representation of the kind of person I'm talking about. It, it just seems like it. it's like, yeah, they get a lot of money. They have like a personal jet. They live in a big house or whatever. But you still have to like put on this act all the time when you go outside like it seems like that kind of sucks like if you if you are working to acquire money don't you want to be free to do what you want with that money and like if you're kind of still trapped in playing this character that you don't really believe in like that's got to be pretty miserable on some level you know yeah i think that's true but also like i think that's true for pyramid schemes also like if you're bernie madoff you have to be bernie madoff you know 24 7 yeah. You know, it's not that, you know, you can't be like, oh, by the way, this is all false. Like, that's only for you. That's only like, again, like, that's like a, you can't be purely cynical all the time or, or things will kind of break down. Maybe if you're very talented and you're able to kind of really like split your ego or whatever. But I think you have to, to some extent, like buy it, right? Like, you know, you have to kind of buy the lie um, or the, like the bad faith belief. I don't think that's a, like a good distinction between those two things. I think the, the the good distinction between those two things is that pyramid schemes are a lot more efficient. Like there's a lot more like people kind of figure out ways to get money out of people and leftism is not as efficient. So it's like a lot worse in a way. It's American ingenuity at work, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, I guess, yeah. Is, do you think it's a that's an American left thing or do you think that's just standard practice for all over the world? Or like... You know, like, because I feel like uh, the left has pretty specific goals in at least kind of economic terms or something. And, you know, like, uh, so it's, it's, you're saying that it can't meet those goals. Is that like the, you know, you just can't meet, ever meet those goals that they actually profess? Or is it just, just, you can't do it in the United States or something? Yeah. So I would say, like, the definition of a scam or something is that you don't have these ex ante, like, knowable, goals like you can't like you know there are no like standards for assessing performance of the enterprise mm -hmm. right that would be a scam because like if if you can like only ex post can kind of assess what you did right like like if you invest money in a corporation or whatever or in a, like an, a fund and they tell you oh we don't tell you like how much you can make or like what will be like a good like a good performance but ex post like after everything happens we'll tell you oh yeah that was a good investment or whatever or like we'll give you some money but you don't know, like, ahead of time, you can't, like, estimate how much they'll give you or what they'll give you. So it's all, like, up to them. They get to shift, the, like, the goalpost at the end. Yeah, to, sure. like So that, to me, that's, like, a definition of a scam. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, like, leftism, I think, going back to this, uh, to what, like, the historian E.H. Uh, e. Carr said to, like, the New Left Review. It was, like, a big interview where he talks about if you want to be... If you want to live in good faith and you want to be a leftist in... He was talking about England, but I think it's fairly similar to America. You could do two things, right? There are two paths to live, like, authentic uh, life. One life is that you join the mainstream party, uh, which would be labor in the UK, and you abandon any pretension of, like, working towards Marxism. Like, a Marx, they use, like, this kind of obfuscating language, but they were talking about communism. You just abandon that pretense and, you know, you work for the party or like uh, you participate in party life and you like honestly undertake all the like responsibilities and duties of the party. And, um, you know, you just become an activist 
like an existing kind of position that you can take. The other path was, was to uh, essentially disengage from public political life and take a kind of a an enclavic strategy, right? Like kind of what uh, Alistair McIntyre talks about at the end of After Virtue is that you just kind of cultivate your own understanding of the world and practice, you know, like a very authentic kind of insofar as you can practice, but you don't, you know, you don't engage with official politics. So those are the two paths to, uh, like, to escape performative contradiction. Because if you try to do something else other than two things, you'll run against this, like, massive existing, like, forces that will, you know, like, crush you or force you again into a kind of an enclavic existence. Or you get co-opted into joining them. And I think that's very applicable to America today. He was talking about, I think it's uh, the interviews from like 70s or 60s, but uh, I think it's very applicable today, is that the two paths are you join essentially groups that lobby the Democratic Party or provide like policy analysis for the Democratic Party or for Democratic candidates. You know, maybe you get like independent candidates, but people who are in essence Democrats like Bernie Sanders. Or you disengage in political, from political life. And I think left organizations in the United States are trying to, in bad faith, they're trying to act as this like middle path, is that we're not, you know, we're not being co-opted or we're not like participating in the mainstream political life. But we're also, you know, not like locked in in an enclave. We're not just like completely disengaged from politics and just working on our own understanding of the world or on our own kind of small experiments with like future society or whatever you know you're trying to do both you're trying to sit in between the two seats yeah i mean i, I think that interview uh i, I always thought it was hobbesbaum but you're saying it's eh car uh it's uh, it's car yeah I and mean, uh hobbesbaum i think was was more uh i think if, if there is like a similar one uh hobbesbaum i think was more open to like political action generally <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought because I thought originally it was about uh, the Blair Blair years, but uh, that's why. I, so, I, anyways, I might have got it confused. But he, I remember that I remember the interview you're talking about though, and uh, it's like comparing it almost to the Dark Ages or something, you know, mm-hmm. and like the small monastic communities keeping the flame going or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and that kind uh, of thing. and uh, or you know just joining the general run of society and uh, you know just doing what you can in that situation i think i think that's true i think uh i I don't know i feel part of it though is also like individual political experience of not knowing the history of these movements and stuff and then kind of getting involved in them and learning the hard way kind of thing you know Mm -hmm. so there's people that kind of I, i guess that's true for any sort of scam too is that you get kind of drawn into a movement and you don't know why other people have left, really, and you, or you don't buy it, kind of at some level. At some level, you go, "Oh, those are, you know, that was a that was a cult, that was a mistake, or something." But you know, we're somehow immunized from that, or something. So I don't know. I think, I, but I feel like there's still there's still some there's still some like I don't know like goal or like referent or something like that. You know, like that there's still something that it actually applies to in terms of achieving the left goals. So. Uh, you know, I wish that there were some middle path or something like that, right? Like, I do wish that there were some way that you could kind of square that circle and get a uh, left movement going that wasn't just, you know, destined to hit a blender at in the day. Because it's like, you know, I don't know. I feel like mm-hmm. there's something underpinning it that is like, you know, it's not just, it's not completely a scam. There's some 
goal that you could, you know, actually meet one day or something in terms of a more egalitarian society or something. So, yeah. I think so. I think like romantically, if you think of it, like Max Horkheimer used to have a quote that was like, I might be like misquoting all these people. It might be not Max Horkheimer. But I think Max Horkheimer used to have a quote about like, you know, political action like generally is seems impossible. And like if you look at history, it seems even more impossible. It just looks so remote that we'll achieve success. But it's important to like keep the faith that it might achieve success today, someday, like even if it's unrealistic. Uh, and, you know, that's like in the process of developing hope or like developing this, like keeping the flame going, you are um, like creating the possible like conditions for the future. So, you know, like I, I'm not disputing that like romantically or again, like in a kind of a, a very long term way. You can, right? Like you can keep faith for like the third way, for like the way between the two possible paths. But I uh, posit that, you know, the existing alternatives do not achieve anything like that. And I think importantly to distinguish yourself, again, like all the scams also give you like this like kind of faith that, you know, you can win. Uh, yeah. Uh, but you can win, you know, but they have to kind of substantiate it by giving you not just long term kind of in some distant future, you will achieve your goals. They have to give you ex ante standards for how you're like on the path to achieving your goal. So, you know, today we talk to like 50 people, we canvas this neighborhood and tomorrow we'll canvas, you know, this other neighborhood. And eventually we'll, you know, we're moving towards socialism in some way, I guess, is the, like the DSA model, but they're not right. Like that's not really what's happening. They're not moving anywhere closer. They had two failed presidential campaigns. What was very funny about the Bernie Sanders campaign was that like they were talking about like uh, when they got the Jesse Jackson endorsement, they were like, oh, yeah, Jesse Jackson is the model. And Jesse Jackson lost twice, right? That was his uh, contribution to history is that he lost in 84 and he lost in 88. And in, in both of those years, the Democrat candidate like got smashed by the Republican candidate. Uh, and there was no like... I don't, I don't know, like, there's just so intangible in terms of benefits. Like, if ex ante, you said, like, what are the goals? What are the, you know, what are the tangible achievements that this brought? Ex ante, like, not ex post. Because ex post, you can always kind of find here and there, oh, yeah, they elected AOC or whatever. You can't. Like, there's nothing that you can could have said, like, ahead of time that would be like, oh, yeah, this is, like, moving us tangibly towards socialism. Like, meeting these guidelines would have would have done it again like yeah. if you treat it like as a fund right like as a as a like a uh, an investment fund right what's your return on investment what's your like how much can you return on average right or in a good year in a bad year like give us like give us the median like amount that you will be able to return and if you look at how much time and effort is spent on this it's just you know the return is like you know on average almost zero right like on it's like non-existent yeah, yeah i mean yeah. for for the for the people at large yeah but then there are some people that make basically a career out of it and they it's it's all then about not so much the goals but just like keeping the movement going so then these like kind of like little just the the fact of like oh we got this many people involved this many people signed up for the newsletter we raised this much money that's a success for them even if there's no political gain it's good for them because now their kind of like career is, is moving forward there, you know, that kind of thing. And, and that's, I, that's what I kind of mean when I talk about the herbal left, although 
um, I would also extend that to just very broadly, essentially to like the entire left of the United States and even the West. I'm not so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not so informed about like the European left exactly, but I imagine it's pretty similar. I think like a lot of European left has like a, a legacy of social democratic like success, but even for them, I think today it's, it's so like the, the goals again, that they, that they set in the 19th century squared against the reality today. I think that would be pretty, pretty harsh like yeah. reckoning with it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like that's the aspect of the pyramid scheme is that, yeah, people at the bottom don't get anything. You don't get your Medicare for all. You don't get your student debt paid off. You don't get your like credit card debt paid off. You didn't get any of the goals that you set up for. Again, if you look at the Bernie Sanders campaign, these were the goals, um, the policy goals. And what you got instead is Joe Biden, who hates all those things, right? Like you got the worst possible thing. Um, I don't know. It just seems like a bad investment. Like if I was investing money, I wouldn't invest it in this enterprise. Uh, I would invest it in uh, Donald Trump, who seems like a very good investment. <laughs> or Zoom stock. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I was looking at the or uh, at the election analysis for like Hillary for dollars. Like, there's a guy, uh, a political scientist, who like does like how much money was spent in what regions per like vote earned. So like he would look at like how much like you know Hillary spent money in like uh, California in New York City and how many votes she got. And I think she like outspent Trump per vote she got by like something like three to one. Like she like overpaid for the votes she got and she got the votes in the wrong places. So if you look at that, again, if you looked at that as like a, as a, as an investment enterprise, you'd see it like, oh, that was like a mistake. That was a complete like insane error. And I think in the same way, like a lot of the stuff about like how much money Bernie raised, he raised a lot of money, right? Like he raised a ton of money. Like 180 uh, million, I think. Yeah, like hundreds of millions of dollars from small donors, like all, all that stuff that you saw like 50 fucking times a day. Oh yeah, $27 average donation. You know, you just look at that and go, okay, that's, you know, that didn't do anything. That's just like, that's money like sunk into nothing. Uh, and another thing I see is that like, I see that like the medium post and like a lot of people keep asking like Biden supporters about, well, are you phone calling? Are you phone banking for Biden? You might have, you must've seen that, right? Uh, I haven't actually, no. Yeah, there's like a guy who like to ask like, or like there's like, like a, a gang of people who kind of ask every time there's like a big prominent Biden supporter, they ask them how much time they spend like on phone backing for him or mm-hmm. how much time they spend volunteering because a lot of Bernie supporters would volunteer, you know, like a lot of the, like, uh, you know, like Chapo supporters and like they would, they would go like, uh, I think Red Scare also went onto like New Hampshire, you know, they, they, they like traveled with a campaign and they would like go door to door. Um, Jake Flores did. Uh, but like a lot of those people would be like, well, why aren't you like volunteering your time? But the thing is that like the model where like a lot of people like the grassroots campaign would go out door to door or phone bank or like text message people, that was the model of the Bernie campaign that they would just be able to kind of jump over the institutions of the democratic party and reach the people directly. And that just failed. That just like failed completely. It just didn't work. It didn't bring out the people that they needed, didn't reach the demographics that they needed. But they keep like hammering that like, oh, yeah, he got a lot of small donations. Oh, yeah, he got a lot of volunteers. But that doesn't work. That didn't work against Biden. And they're trying to get like Biden to do that. But, you know, 
why why would he need to do that like he doesn't his whole experience is that you don't need to do that you just need like to be on, on tv all the time because you're stupid <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah i think i think that the the underlying thing there is that they don't see the excitement for biden that they think is needed to deliver a victory but it's not necessarily the case that as you said that you don't necessarily need to be excited about him for him to win so, no yeah like yeah. like that's just false like the, the whole idea the whole like electoral path for bernie was that he like like invigorated the young people so they will turn out in numbers that they won't haven't ever before, right? And every single like even the contest that he won that wasn't the case. He didn't like bring out like extraordinary numbers of young people, and like that's like a similar thing happened in Britain is that like they thought like momentum thought that we'll be able to bring out like you know like hundreds and thousands of younger people that never voted before, like people who are alienated, people who don't really feel like they're participating in the process, uh, and that just never worked. It just doesn't doesn't work. <laughs> it's just like it was just like a false idea, and they implemented it badly, maybe. But like, it's just like as a if if elections provide any sort of like statements about what the broad uh, segments of electorate and how they're feeling, which they probably don't. But if they do, that was falsified by these losses, these like crushing just defeats. And I think this is also falsified in America is that like just, you know, young people don't turn out, the working people don't turn out. Well, who turns out? Older people, people who vote anyway, and they turn out against you like they don't like you. <laughs> yeah. So there's been a like a common refrain uh, to refer to like right wing grifters in that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. There are definitely a lot of people that are kind of running that scam and it's very similar to what we've been talking about here um but i think it's very self-conscious i think a lot of like right-wingers yeah right like you know i don't know you i think you used to follow Cantbot, and i think yeah, he kind of still follow him yeah hey he's, he's still good i like him but he's like i think in very much in a kind of i think he's very much looking at leftist like chapo and that kind of thing and he's trying to emulate that He's trying yeah. to make himself like you know make money off of this, which and you, you even, know you can, and even cross over. Like I think oh, yeah. he's, he's trying to he's a, he's a big people. fan. He might be he might be joining uh, like Red Scare or like whatever. Like he might be switching over because I don't think he was ever like committed to or a Trump or whatever. But uh, uh, like like Trump re-election. But like yeah. a lot of those like kind of right wing figures are very self consciously like seeing themselves as like selling stuff and trying to get as much as possible. Someone like Baked Alaska, uh, who I think used to be like a Black Lives Matter, pro like uh, you know, kind of protest guy. Yeah. In in when that was big, remember when that was big? That was cool. Uh, <laughs> remember uh, Sean King? Do they still matter? I don't know. I, kind of. <laughs> no, I mean, I think Sean King's life life matters. Uh, but like, yeah, like people like that are, to me, like very much mercenary mentality. Um, they could switch like tomorrow. Sean King could switch tomorrow, become a black Republican, and earn a lot of money that way. Yeah, and it's very easy to make those narratives. You just have one little key issue that's like, oh, I've I've been betrayed by the movement, and now I can kind of do like this tell-all thing where it's like, you know, this is what they're really like, this is what they're really about. They don't really care about whatever demographic you're representing and what you're trying to like, what you're you're running your grift on a certain kind of feeling or whatever, and you just kind of channel it in this other direction yeah 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 like it is easy and the problem is right like people apportion blame in the weird way like it's the problem isn't them like the problem isn't sean king 
right? He's not the problem anywhere. The problem is you, like people who actually like buy it and and react to it and like promote it. Like the problem is like the suckers. That's you know, like that's the people who are played, people who get scammed. You know, like there was always there's always going to be like a class of people who are like predatory or who kind of can sniff out when there is a, a money to be gained, merchandise to be sold. Uh, and that's never going away. But the people who kind of go along with it, that's like really what fuels it. Uh, in right. my opinion. They're not making you pay up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a kind of a, that's also, I think what's wrong with like abuse, the language of abuse is that what's wrong with it again is not that it's like a the way like a child gets abused or a child gets mistreated what's wrong with it is that people get into scams there are people who are more charismatic or more like predatory and they're able to take advantage of weaker people or more kind of gullible people or less protected people and that's what's wrong with it that's really like the heart of it is that these are scam artists um and it's really bad it sucks but it's not just the fault of like the existence of these predators it's also the fault of people who are gullible like there is a moral kind of you know there's moral apportionment that's missing i think what do you think don well i'm thinking like do you think that this is sort of like a st- structured around ideology for any kind of ideology like you can kind of get the scam uh you know where predators kind of float to the top within it because i keep thinking when you're when you're talking about this kind of stuff too about like even just criticisms that i hear all the time about religion or something you know about catholicism in the same way where uh if you're saying oh, because it is, a, because <laughs> i mentioned abuse because I well that's okay. part of it i mean it is it is one of those things where you kind of think to yourself well you know because that's the straightforward sort of atheist view on most religions anyways is that mm-hmm. there's somehow just scams that you know like the idea that the vatican has all this money that it just farms up from people and there's no actual there's no like say actual referent there's no actual religion underneath it it's just it's just a whole you know network of scams all the way down kind of thing and then um you know in the same you could say that about any other kind of organized religion that's you know you got all the people that say i'm not you know i'm not a member of an organized religion but i'm spiritual and all that kind of stuff so i think that there's that thinking goes a lot you know this idea that uh you know it goes a lot deeper than just uh the left or whatever too in that way so i'm not sure yeah yeah i i think there is some truth to that like it's true about the right the left and religion and i mean you can look at like any kind of collective human endeavor and kind of make this analysis i think and i think there's truth to it to an extent and you know you have to kind of consider what the exact goals and what people are getting out of it so if if you're talking about politics really politics is a very it, it's about like achieving material gains and and like making change really you know um so that needs to be what's put under the you know the microscope when you're talking about something like religion i don't think people are so concerned like oh i gave my money and it didn't like materialize in some sort of way you know like when people are, are are when they're participating in a religious institution in some way they are in in an ideal world they're benefiting from it in a, like a spiritual sense or you know they gain something from it even if you just follow the money and you're like oh look these people give money to a church and then that church spends it on what they want and the people don't get any of that you know necessarily any of that money 
they, they don't see it in their community or whatever but that's not what they're giving their money for and uh, i think you need to you know you when when you're making that analysis it, you can't just kind of cast it very broadly without consideration of that kind of thing my retort to that is that i think a lot of like leftist organizations would essentially respond the way you responded to uh like accusations of like scams on the part of religion is that they would say what you get actually is like this feeling of solidarity i think like um sure like yeah enzo like traverso like kind of or you know similar kind of books of like you know you are in a fused organization that kind of has goals has kind of romantic you know kind of ideals about life you're surrounded by like-minded people doing what you like um and you get like a metaphysical satisfaction of like you know of i don't being. think there's anything wrong with that i think that if that's what you're in it for that's great i think it, i mean maybe there's nothing wrong with it but i think there is a uh i think there is again like leftism is not religion and also i think for religion there are like there might be like a fundamental divide between people of like there are like scammers and there are people who get scammed is that like you know you do have misuse of funds all the time and you have yeah. you know abuse all the time and it does seem to crop up all the time whenever you have like a complex organization and it's not doesn't seem like it's like confined to anything i don't think that's that's a claim i'm making but i think i'm making the claim that religion or, or leftism in particular is like there's just nothing that you get back there's just very very little um and again the stated goals at the beginning right the goals that religion states at the beginning are that you will be satisfied metaphysically primarily uh whereas um you know leftism promises that there will be an election or you know at some point these policies will get implemented you know there will be a concrete change in society and yeah. That just is not happening. I just don't see it. And it's just, you know, getting more and more. Uh, and it is just like a drain of money, drain on hours, tons and tons of volunteer hours, especially like canvassing or canvassing, I think is like kind of just completely useless, but like organizing, um, that's a word I just hate. I just despise organizing and I don't get it. I don't get what it is. I understand what like a union organizer does in a workplace like when you get like deployed to like organize a uh, a floor but i don't know what an organizer does just i don't get it um they just talk to people and nothing happens um uh, ngos generally just i don't know what they're doing it's just like not doing anything it's just doing these like little lobbying things and whenever they talk about organizing the grassroots to me that that always sounds like you know you gotta you got to grab your wallet when someone says, oh, yeah, we're organizing the grassroots. We are, you know, engaging mass action with community. It's always like, you know, watch out. <laughs> That's what I think. You know, like if you know, you know, like uh, Sean King used to have this thing where like he would climb a mountain and like you would get paid for everything. Like something like a weird scam where like he'd get paid to climb mountains because that was like a journey that he was on. And that was like a GoFundMe he did. And he never climbed any mountains. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was just like, that's the type of person I think that kind of comes out of organizing background and that kind of sees the moment really like uh, played it for all it's worth and now is like very respected and established and very like big in the Bernie campaign. Right. Uh, he was like very central to the like their press outreach. So I love um, that whole mountain climbing scam because 
people are mad that he didn't climb a mountain as if like that was the point like what did you care if he climbed it or not why aren't you giving money to this idea that he's like giving the money to like a good cause like you know if he didn't do that then obviously that's a problem but if he just didn't climb the mountain like who cares like let him relax like who cares about that no i mean like <laughs> it was just so obvious that these people are dummies and they're being played right that's the that's the thing and uh it's just like so like naked like with Sean king it's so naked that he does that uh but i mean like again like he's like he's able to just walk into the burning campaign become their like spokesperson or whatever just constantly in the news uh, why like why is that allowed he's like again like as someone with that background should not be able to but he is and that's because it's the same thing he what he used to do for you know stealing people's like videos and photos for black lives matter without ever having been there he does for bernie sanders right? and it didn't work then and it didn't work now uh but it did make him like you know much better off than before so yeah i don't know to me that's like he is like a symbol of a lot of that stuff like he is the most kind of clear and obvious symptom of the problem and until he is like people like him are just completely gone uh i, I just i don't see how you can you know how you can win like I, I just don't see how you can ever achieve anything i wonder what you mean by people like him need to be gone but we'll leave that for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> i mean half blacks uh <laughs> light skins is what i mean non-fba <laughs> yeah so it's it's that contrast between you know the no you know, no achievement of actual goals plus the high value of self in terms of we're the ones changing everything plus the, you know, negative view of everyone else as if they're all incredibly corrupt plus, you know, the already track record of not achieving things even before that of the left. Uh, it just kind of, yeah, it really does create like a, I don't know, toxic sort of soup of, of just yeah. not of not uh positive outcomes but i mean i just uh, the easiest thing for me to to get over that is usually to then look at what the alternatives on offer are other than not getting involved or something like that do you know what i mean like, i just feel like there's so much uh i don't know like it's, it's not like the it's just not it's not like it's doing that well hot outside of the left too it's just it just seems like a terrible state of society in general i don't know so it does seem like yeah you're right <laughs> you know but like i feel like someone like nira tandon who just got coronavirus so you know uh very Allahu sad Akbar. very sad uh would be tragedy if she died but uh you know she lives a very like she li is living in good faith like she is just not lying to herself uh she knows what she's for she says what she means and she means what she says you know like that's the authentic living she's living an authentic life and I can't say that for anyone on like the engaged left. Like they're not living an authentic life. They're lying to themselves. She's a and, true Heideggerian. Oh yeah, that's right. She's very resolute uh, <laughs> and aware, you know. But again, like that's that's like people like that who are just hacks, right? And uh, also on the left, people who are like Sean King, they are living probably authentically in a way, like because they again, like they're cynical probably. Uh, and if they're not, they're you know dummies but uh most of them i think are cynic cynical but people on the bottom right on the bottom layers of the pyramid they are just played 
and to like defend the pyramid above them they have to they do live in bad faith they do they don't believe that this will work and if they do believe then they are dummies uh and that's just you know not happening it's just not not you know well i've got a little theory for you what if we organize all these people who are getting played and develop some sort of party model that would you know that would represent them politically and they could overthrow the pyramid and then take over society and and run yeah. it for themselves yeah that works really well also like whenever people entry and try to like, oh yeah we'll, we'll organize it from you know from the inside uh yeah that also never works uh you know uh usually i'm more people are more committed to the pyramid than they're committed to like oh no you know this is this is a scam i'm not in a scam i'm in a you know uh, you know scientology is true like it's just you know what are you talking about like it's not gonna work like the whole pyramid stands on on the foundation of having to introduce you like having to like keep you in the pyramid it doesn't otherwise it would just fall apart every time so right you got to buy in at some level and then to get people out of it you know you, you got to give them something that kind of so they can cash out right like yeah. they're not going to just disinvest because you convince them of something but I, I do want to like highlight again like it's not like religion or like uh, maga like it doesn't actually win that's the point is that like it's it's worse than all of these things it's even worse than like madoff scam in that there are like structural reasons for why it can't win like it just cannot uh it just will not win because of like it's just you know there's just so little like supporting it helping it there's so little like desire on the rest of the american populace to do it uh, uh it's just so hobbled from the beginning that it's like a pure scam in that it's like you know there's just nothing coming out of it yeah um what do you guys think about this idea i i sort of have this suspicion that we are seeing you know how the whole bernie campaign and and people kind of in that circle of things like you were talking about ed that, that they're they're not going the traditional democratic party way of like getting in touch with like these different cultural and social institutions and building coalitions and that kind of thing and that they're instead kind of making like this mass movement and stuff. I think that's kind of bullshit. I think what's actually they are actually pursuing the democratic the democratic party model instead and they're building this kind of like left you know the the guys at the uh, good old boys podcast, you know, shout out to them. They uh, like to talk about this idea of like a the patronage network and that that's the way that politics really runs in the country and i think instead of like oh we're, we're doing this mass network or this mass uh, politics kind of stuff i think they're actually building their own patronage network that is like you know capital t capital l the left you know trademark that kind of thing like it's it's the left institution and it will represent that in in that like people who like things that are on the left people that like this idea they want to be associated with it they'll give their time and money to it but in the end, it's it's really just kind of funneling back into the, the kind of cesspool in Washington, D.C. The swamp? The swamp, yeah. And we got to drain it, folks. Meg. <laughs> that's right. We, that's, that's, why we need, that's why we need Trump 2020. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not fully convinced that that's the case entirely, but I just have this sneaking suspicion that that's ultimately what's happening here. Yeah, it's hard to look at someone like AOC and not feel that kind of thing, you know? Like, right. Uh, like that there is uh and that that yeah like that i think i think that would also i mean that does the sort of scam theory does solve some of the problems around that too in terms of uh 
you know, it's not the fact that she gets elected with DSA support and then somehow changes because she gets to Washington. It's more that they're trying to build this patronage network that she's part of or something, you know, within the left. And she's doing exactly what is expected of her in that role or something like that, too, where she's, you know, building up her own fundraising campaigns and, you know, has millions of people following her online and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, that's it's tough to see, I guess, at some level. But, yeah, it's true, I guess. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I totally agree that that's what's going on. I think there is like a I don't want to say like the big left, right? Like the big oil, the evil uh, left, the evil left. Uh, the evil left won like the evil left killed him uh, but uh, the evil left I think is a thing that exists and they are able to kind of they're very small obviously they're kind of laughable compared to everything else but you know they're sizable and their like whole goal I think the people that are involved in Bernie campaign their whole goal was not really to win maybe maybe winning was like a major goal but their ex-ante goal was like they'd be able to get like patronage or um, kind of um a seat at the table, like some sort of like being able to influence policy, produce like, you know, get politicians on their side. Uh, so they, they're, they're not losing. They're not the suckers. Um, the suckers are people who have no health care, who are like dying, who are right now without jobs or in really unsafe jobs, who are, have to go out in COVID-19 and get, you know, get infected and their families get infected. Those are the people that are like played. But the people above them, I think, are very much like they have very clear plans of what they're going to do. They're going to get careers in Washington, D.C. or in like, you know, local around local politicians. And, you know, there'd be in that organizer network of like, oh, I organize. I work in campaigns. I work in NGOs. I write policy stuff, you know, like, hey, it'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, you got to remember, Obama started out as a community organizer. That was his like thing when he, he was starting out in Chicago. Oh yeah, that's right. Like after he was the Harvard Law School uh, uh, editor in chief of the yeah. Har- Harvard Law Review, he was an organizer. Yeah, I love that. No, like the, that's the cesspool, though. Like that he like came in, you know, came into this network of organizers, which is where AOC is from, which is where like Julia Salazar is from. Yeah, I don't think JFK that's actually intern or whatever. Not JFK, uh, but you know, Ted Kennedy. Uh, Lee, no, it was Leahy. Leahy, wasn't it? I don't know. Uh, one a- of those. AOC, AOC was uh, Ted Kennedy in intern. Ted Kennedy. All right. Uh, yeah. So like one of those, you know, like she was not like a bartender, like a plucky little, you know, that Don kind of has a tweet about that, but like, that's not what she was. And that's not what these people are. Like, they're not, you know, your friends, your buddies. They're just, they just want kind of, they just want to get in there. Uh, I don't know. Joshua yeah. for Congress. You remember Joshua for Congress from two weeks ago? <laughs> yeah that guy uh that guy is like you know that's also how it works right like you just like take money do with it whatever you want there are no like controls on you no one like like establishes evaluations of like you promised to run on democratic party platform you failed therefore we won't like put money in anymore he can just be like oh yeah like i'm not a democrat anymore uh you know <laughs> Right. And you see people defending him like, oh, he yeah. needs his space. Like, stop criticizing. This is abuse. You know, all that oh. kind of language that you were talking about. That's oh, being yeah. used to kind of defend the, the little he's very small time pyramid. But like, that's that's how it works. Like, there's the big guys at the top and it kind of trickles down. And then as it gets bigger, you see more and more of these people. They work on a smaller scale, but it, it mm. kind of continues to grow like that. Yeah. The four hundred dollar like keyboard and the uh, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, name, yeah. Right? Carter for vagina. That guy. Uh, he. <laughs> He's like, a, yeah, like that's, that's that's how it works, right? Like these are small time. They're small time today. You know, Sean King was small time in 2014, but he's very big time today, right? Like it's it's just, you know, it can, you can win. Like you can win if you're smart, right? If you're, if you know that other people are suckers, then you can win. But you can't win if you think like, if you want to be like pure at heart and if you want to help a grandpa get Medicare for all. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's get into the questions here. So, First one, I thought this one was really important, so I'm glad you're here to answer this, Ed. Hi, honey. I'm so horny right now. Ready for sex chat? Just find me on www.shots.fun. Shots.fun? Or shats. It's like, I kind of don't want to spell it out so people don't go there, but, you know. (laughs) Okay, that sounds intriguing. Let's go. I I do want to talk to a honey from shots.com. Yeah, I mean, Ramadan did just end, but I still don't think I'm going to be... Go into anything like that. Well, the boys are not. not the boys are not out. back in town. <laughs> the boys are not back in town after Ramadan. No. Maybe we could take the podcast that direction. We can get like uh, <laughs> like Howard Stern style. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can now, like now that we just took a big shit on the whole idea of like leftist <laughs> politics. Yeah, we gotta we gotta pivot somehow. <laughs> pivot, yeah, yeah. Fill the room with prostitutes or something like that. Yeah, and just. <laughs> Get the only, fan, yeah. only fans women get them in. <laughs> yeah. I'll try That's to give booming. him Dawa, make him say the Shahada after they ride the Sibian. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, uh, this is a question for Donald. As the Ukrainian on the pod, is Cossack a slur? I guess this could kind of also apply to you, Ed. Uh, sort of. I'll let, I'll let Donald answer, but I have thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that uh my my mom said that my like great grandfather was supposed to be one or something i don't know i don't know anything about this kind of stuff i i actually know very little about ukraine but i know that that's where my family comes from that's about it but uh yeah so uh um no i don't i don't think it's a slur i think it's a glorious tradition (laughs) did he have the hair did he have just like everything shaved except one uh, braid oh no 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 i don't think so no i don't know i've only seen him i think he had like a hat or something on there's like a photo of oh. or, or like a painting or i don't know something whatever this is this is like uh reaching back into my mind 20 years ago or something into stuff that i'm trying to remember but yeah i don't know i don't know i think that uh i'm not sure of him exactly but i think he was like in some sort of military thing or something or armed unit or something i don't know so yeah yeah, I think um, th- there is like an etymology of it to, um, you know, some of some like people in, in uh, you know, Central Asian kind of etymologists, which is people kind of just drawing random connections. Uh, they kind of connected to Kazakhstan or whatever, like they connected to like countries like that because it was like a, they were called like Kazakhs or Kipchaks because they were on horseback. But I feel like it's dubious. I don't think it's actually the connection. It might just be like a word they use for them, <laughs> like kind of, it, because it doesn't actually have a very clear etymology. It's not a word in Ukrainian or Russian. Um, but uh, sadly, it's kind of like the uh, Louis C.K. theory on oh, how the yeah, that's right. came about. That's I think right. it's a similar kind <laughs> the, the, of. Thing. There's just a guy on a horse, and he was being a Cossack, so they called him a Cossack. <laughs> <laughs> he was just raiding villages. <laughs> oh. Um, all right. So what books would you recommend on history of religion? I've been reading a lot of Mircea Eliad. 
Is that how you pronounce that? I've never said that out loud before. Anyway, uh, but he sounds like a lot worse of an anti-Semite than even Hitler. I mean, he spews ancient Roman views of the Jews and puts all the good things about Christianity on European heritage. Um, I, I, I've i read a little bit of like books like that that are, you know, they try to talk about like this single primordial kind of religion that everything, like that everything is kind of one and that it all ties together. Uh, some of it's interesting. It's all pretty tenditious, though. I, I can recommend a series of books on the history of Islam specifically. I really like The Venture of Islam. Uh, it's a little bit dated. It was written in, like, the 60s or 70s, but I still think it's pretty much the, the best thing to go to, like, just for, like, a big survey. It's kind of long. It's three volumes, and they're very detailed. But but if you're looking for, like, I want to know the history of Islam, I, I would definitely point you to that it's worthwhile reading um so my suggestion would be to maybe look at some of the medieval tracks against the devil mahound and um the <laughs> and uh, other justifications for uh, fighting against uh, the demon islam or something so <laughs> those are notoriously uh philo-semitic typically <laughs> medieval text i don't have suggestions Okay. Um, if Jesus came back to Earth today, would he have a Patreon? <laughs> would he have an OnlyFans? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, that would be... Yeah, he could, like... Uh, I feel like he might, like, create his own kind of thing. Like, maybe, you know, like a parallel His own platform thing. thing. Yeah. And then, you know... You think of him as a kind of tech entrepreneur? Yeah, and he could call it could be called like Saint Peter on or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Hey Don, you dog. Retweet that tweet about the German troll academy that was closed by the Nazis for doing ironic racism instead of real racism. Not sure what, what they're talking about. Do you know what this is about, Don? Yeah, so th every few years, there's, a, well, not every few years, but every few months, there's, like, a bunch of tweets about, like, how Nazis were doing research into, I mean, not Nazis, but, like, Germans were doing research into one thing or another. Sometimes it's, like, trans stuff. Sometimes it's, like, um, like uh, just general LGBT or, you know, women or whatever. Like, it's just, anyways, it's, it's like a meme. It, it just comes up every few months. And, um, so I made a joke one that, and it's, it's, it's very, very murky because I don't know what the goal is. It's like maybe that there was going to be some sort of golden age of LGBT stuff happening in Germany and then the Nazis set it back or something that like the research would be get really advanced or something. I don't know <laughs> if that, like how much research really need into it, like at that basic kind of level for like, you know, if, if you're worried about certain kind of hateful attitudes or whatever, then that's probably not the pivot point kind of thing was this research institute in uh, Berlin or wherever. And uh, so anyways, I did a tweet that was basically like a troll academy got shut down in Germany because they were doing ironic, ironic racism instead of uh, like Nazi racism. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Like what, what kind of research do you do exactly? Like, are you, you know, like what are you, what are you doing? Are you doing experiments? Are you doing <laughs> Like soci sociological things, I, I yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's like something like the Institute for uh, Genre Wissenschaft or something like that or whatever. It was like it was something like that, like gender 
gender studies or something but I, yeah. I feel like it's one of those things where if you scratch the surface it's like completely false just not even like there's not even you know i don't know it's just uh yeah careful well, ca- careful there careful <laughs> <laughs> watch out as a muslim i i believe that like keeping things in the original language is really important and when you mm. say that german stuff that sounds really evil so it, it seems mm. like they did the right thing that did not sound like a good place okay um, okay, next question is the purpose of Ramadan to hone Muslim psychic powers so that they may do jihad on the astral plane. Um, in a sense, yes. Uh, the purpose of Ramadan is to develop taqwa, which is God consciousness or a uh, the commonly used term in English that it isn't quite perfect. I think people have a bad connotation with it, but it's like God fearing that kind of sensibility um so yeah in a sense but getting, uh, nothing like ex- to worry about it's all for good you're getting like mana points xp points yeah it, it's kind of like how you if you're in you in the in your own territory you heal 20 points a turn mm-hmm. but if you're outside your territory you only heal up five a turn mm-hmm. ramadan is kind of like the 20 a turn i see but then you know in the outside territory you can use offensive spells Right. You can actually yeah. fight them. You can actually exactly. Kill them. Good. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's very perceptive. Good question. <laughs> um, have you ever smoked DMT? Uh, thanks, Joe Rogan. Didn't know he was a <laughs> listener. Uh, have you guys ever smoked DMT? I assume Don has not. That doesn't seem no. like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I have not. Also, and I also should not be making any uh, <laughs> implicating statements over over the radio waves okay well i haven't smoked the big dmt like the the n1 dmt n1 or whatever but i did once try 5meo dmt which is some sort of it's not it's not supposed to be as heavy as the dmt the regular dmt or something and i didn't get much out of it so does the n2 dmt stand for what i think it stands for oh yes yeah yeah it does actually yeah (laughs) that's where they get it from too (laughs) Okay, Don, what do you think about Christians like Hans Urs von Balthasar or more recently David Bentley Hart who propose that God's justice is ultimately restorative rather than retributive and that eventually all people will be saved in the end? Tom, are there any universalist thinkers in the Muslim tradition? Um, I really like uh, Balthasar's like writings, like uh, a lot of it. I haven't read the one that uh, is relevant to this in terms of like thinking that he says like, can we imagine, uh, you know, that all might be saved or something like that. I think he said something like that. And then I think that, uh, I think it's a nice idea. I don't know. I, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, it's it, it. we had talked about this before, but it's like there's there's some sort of thing of consequences there kind of thing of like, if you have freedom, then you have to have the freedom to just completely screw up kind of thing, you know, like to completely turn away. And uh, if you don't have that freedom to do that, then it's all like just, uh, there's no, then there's no consequences whatsoever. So then it's almost like if you know that eventually you're going to get out of it, no matter what you do, if you know it at like a, in a cynical way or something, then it's like, well, then what are the why was there any consequences to start with then or something like that? Yeah, why not just like create what? everyone already in heaven? Like, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm not 
really versed in like I see you know my friends on Twitter who are Catholic talk about universalism and Jansenism and I don't know if those things are even like at odds or related or whatever but I do see these terms and I'm not really familiar with them exactly so I don't really know how to say yes or no to the idea of are there Muslims who kind of subscribe to those ideas but in general I would say that the 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 standard like the orthodox idea about this kind of idea of like people being saved you know is it only just like kind of like the the idea of people who get saved are that first of all in terms of muslims and non-muslims it depends on the message being reached to you so to whatever extent you've received the message of god and what god wants you to do you're judged accordingly so that's that's highly individualized to the point where you can't really determine it on for each person and people just don't even try we talk about things in terms of like broad categories and we can make general claims about this is a you know this religion is true this religion is not true that kind of thing but that doesn't necessarily mean anything about an individual um the other thing is that there are hadith that go, you know, to great extents to demonstrate how merciful and forgiving God will be on the day of judgment. Uh, I've mentioned this one before, but there's a hadith that talks about how God has uh, God's mercy has 99 parts, and one of them has been reserved for Earth. One of them has been given to Earth between um, humanity and and for the animals and like all of creation right now, and the others are all saved for the day of judgment. And then there's a pretty long hadith that talks about people who are initially entered into paradise and then they want to go back and save people from hellfire and and then God lets them go back and it it kind of keeps going down levels in terms of how much faith they have. So it's like go back and get people who have faith, go and get people who have a little bit of faith and then it goes down to like, like an atom's worth of faith. So there is an idea of people being in hell, but not permanently in hell that people can, you can be rescued out of hell. Uh, There's talk about people being able to rescue their family members and loved ones and things like that. I think I've also heard about the idea of like, and this is nice for me to hear as a convert that uh, if you convert, you're able to go back 10 generations to save people from your past and 10 generations. And you know, like that pious people are able to do that. And that kind of thing. So the main thing I think to get out of that is that there's definitely a sense of we, we talk about God's promise as being the promise of heaven. He makes certain promises to you that if you do good, if you have faith, if you believe, if you pray, blah, blah, blah. If you do all these things, you will be rewarded. And that's just a promise that he will keep. But then there's a threat. And the threat is not a promise. It's not saying that if you do this sin, you will go to hell. It's a threat that he may send you to hell. So it's always in his court. Like he can always just decide to forgive you anyways. And then that brings into question like, well, look at how immense his forgiveness is according to what we know about that. Uh, There's a really interesting essay that I read recently by one of my favorite scholars, Abdul Hakim Murad, that talks about kind of about these things and it it talks about the idea of what is it like how can we consider islam to be you know quote unquote the true religion and what does that mean in terms of people in other faiths and and how do we reconcile the idea of good people in other religions you know if they're in a wrong religion does that mean they're going to hell and how do we think about this kind of stuff uh I, i would like to talk about that on 
another episode, I think, at some point. So um, I'm not going to go into it at length. But uh, yeah, maybe maybe I'll link to it in the show notes, and so you can check it out if you're interested. Sure. Is there a, is there a set number of people that get saved? Is it like fourteen thousand four hundred or whatever the Jehovah's Witnesses? Um, I don't think I, I. You know, there is some hadith that talks something about that, but I don't. I can't remember it off the top of my head, and I don't know how authenticated it is either. It is said though that um, women outnumber men in paradise, but that women oh. also outnumber men in hell. And oh. if you look at the demographics, that kind of works out. So it's <laughs> kind of like, well, there's just more women than men. So I guess that makes sense. Do they have number 72 to 1 or what's the... What's the... It, that, no, it doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> say specifically. Oh. I was always wondering how the, how the demographics work out on that count. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Was the Soviet Union actually a planned economy? I've seen people reference it as a command economy. What's the difference between the two? Um, I think command is just a different way of saying it. It just means that uh, they think that the main reason why people did things is because they were ordered to. uh, Instead of, it's like, you know, it's an economy structured around administrative uh, demands instead of uh, market incentives. That's just basically, it's a, um, also I think part of it is because in the mid like century, uh, calling things planning was just everyone did that like it wasn't like you know like the france would say that their economy was becoming um you know like in indicative planning in that you know like where markets had played a role but then planning played another role so i think that there's like overlap there so that that's part of it it's just yeah it was it was more like a western theory this idea that uh the reason why things happened in the soviet economy was because it uh was uh sort of like a hierarchy of different commands issued down that eventually got down to the worker. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like for most of the, uh, like, say, from, you know, high Stalinism to the 70s and 80s in uh, Soviet Union, it was pretty, the government controlled pretty much most, you know, production and everything. So it's not like, I'm kind of, you know, but I do think there was, like, underlying things going on that uh, were moving towards being able to be, you know, easily converted into something that they could sell off. Um, you know, like in the eighties, they started doing stuff like self-financing of companies, um, so that they had to buy, you know, get orders from the general public instead of just from, you know, they tried to shift away from state orders and stuff like that. So, but I don't know. I, I, I think that like, uh, you know, I used to be more interested in sort of the Maoist stuff that would kind of go into why the, planned economy wasn't actually planned and i don't i don't know if that's i feel like if you're splitting hairs at that level like it's like you know something's wrong with the original theory maybe so yeah i think command economy i'm not sure what the etymology of the term is but it's one of those i think it's a left communist term initially but then it became kind of mainstream i don't know because they all like wanted a planned economy but so like there would be like a variety of terms used in trotskyism for um what the soviet economic system and they were all like slurs or like things that are clearly um but it's bad that that's a bad thing so mm-hmm. um yeah i associated it more with like western scholarship or something kind of thing than like like say mainstream american conservative kind of thinking so i'm not sure but mm-hmm. yeah i know what you mean that yeah like uh i think of like bureaucratic collectivism or something for the trotskyist kind of stuff or something no, different state, things like state that. capitalism yeah. state capitalism yeah so 
Okay. All right. Uh, did you guys see that alt-right figure Paul Joseph Watson has apparently converted to Islam? Will Tom welcome him with open arms? I haven't heard of this. Have you guys heard of this? No. Nope. I think someone's trying to pull a fast one on me. But if it's true, yes, I would welcome him with open arms. And if he tries any that goofy-ass you know, alt-right grifting stuff, he'll have a taste of my shoe. So. <laughs> Imagine my shock. <laughs> he just says the shahada accidentally. <laughs> that's the guy, right? That's Paul Joseph Watson. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Imagine my shock. All right. What does Don think about David Byrne's movie True Stories? Um, I have not seen it. I haven't seen that either. Nope. Okay. So we, we love it. We think it's the best movie. No. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. Awful. I give it three stars so that split the difference. <laughs> there we yeah, go. Yeah, I give zero, zero stars. I'll give it five. All right, guys. Uh, I think that'll do it for this episode. Thanks again for coming on, Ed. I hope yep. that uh, you know we were able to piss off all of our listeners with this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. big letters, pyramid scheme. Bernie Sanders is a pyramid scheme. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for, for coming on. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. If you enjoyed this episode and you like a second episode every week, you can subscribe to our Patreon. You will also get access to our Discord where you can chat with our community. And we'll catch you again next week. Thanks for listening. We love our cops, our law enforcement. We love our military, they're important. And when I'm in the jam, when I'm in the jam, I know that I can call up the man, can call up the man with a plan. When I'm on the run, when I'm on the safe when they keep us safe you know they make america a better